Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Tom Salemi. You're listening to episode 133 of the MedTech Talk podcast. Lately, we've spent a great deal of time talking with experienced MedTech execs like Dennis Warren, Scott Hunnikins. Those conversations are valuable, so valuable. You can soak in so much from their years of experience. But I want to take a, a different approach with this podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk with Sham Natarajan, the CEO of an interesting startup called Avenda Health. It's a really early stage company. It's developing a system to use focal laser ablation to kill prostate cancer. The company's original founders, Natarajan and, and Dr. Leonard Marks, started working on it in earnest maybe five years ago or so. But recently, they've started to get some real traction with the FDA, and they're making some big moves on the financing side as well. So in this interview, I'll talk with Sham about the company's origins, its unusual fundraising path, and its relatively short path to potential FDA approval. I thought this focus on an early stage company would benefit those of you out there who are really entertaining thoughts to create your company. So I hope you learn something from this experience. Before we get into a vendor story, though, I want to remind you that the MedTech conference is coming up on May 29th and May 30th in Minneapolis. Again, if you're looking to start a MedTech, this is a great place to network and meet people. You've got the day planned out on May 30th. It's going to be our usual uh, usual agenda. But work really begins on May 29th. We'll be offering breakout sessions to start, and then we'll have a very first opening reception for the entire attendee list at the MedTech conference. So everyone's invited to the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel to get an early start on networking. So if you haven't registered yet, go to medtechconference.com and please don't forget to use your MedTech Talk code. You'll save yourself $200. And do it quickly because our discounted rate will be expiring very soon. Now let's get into the story about Avenda Health. We'll start off with the company's origins. Can you give us a little bit about your, your background and how did you get to the point where you are? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me here. Um, so Avenda Health really started out of a academic exercise. Before this, I used to be a professor at UCLA in bioengineering and neurology, really working on image-guided surgery um, for detecting and diagnosing and then now treating prostate cancer. So I've been an academic for pretty much my whole career. Um, worked a little bit on the startup side, you know, for internships, et cetera. Um, I have a computer science background and I'm from the Bay Area. So, you know, I've been exposed to kind of the startup community. And so I always had a passion for entrepreneurship. And medical devices is kind of an interesting field because we, you know, in, in the academic side, learn about prototyping, building up a device, and then testing it out in clinical studies or uh, in vitro studies, but really we don't get exposed to all of the great challenges involved with, you know, reimbursement, regulatory, et cetera. And so it, this has been a really fun journey for me, um, taking this project from <clears throat> the very early stages when we had a napkin sketch, taking it through mm -hmm. early prototype at the university, testing it out in a clinical trial at the university, um, and then finally launching the company about two years ago. Um, so I think this has been a, a pretty fun journey for me. So where did that, uh, where was that napkin sketched on? Where did this idea mm -hmm. develop from? Yeah, this is a great question. So uh, my research has primarily been focused on image guided prostate biopsy. So using MRI and ultrasound to be able to find and diagnose prostate cancer. So uh, I have had a great collaboration with a 
urologist at UCLA, who's now my co-founder, uh, Dr. Leonard Marks. And him and I have been working for about a decade, uh, working on the targeted biopsy uh, side of things, taking this technology, this concept of being able to image prostate cancer for the first time, bringing it to the bedside, and being able to specifically diagnose it with increased sensitivity, increased specificity, and being able to track these cancers over a period of time. So after about thousand patients or so of doing this very sophisticated diagnostic procedure, we realized that it was possible to go back to the same spot six months or a year later, pinpoint the same tumor foci, and be able to characterize it. So we thought, well, if we can find it, target, track it, characterize it, why not treat it where it lies? And that's how the Venda Health started, this whole concept of focally treating prostate cancer rather than mm -hmm removing the entire prostate and causing all the quality of life problems associated with it. So Sham says the gold standard for diagnosing prostate cancer used to be biopsy needles. They were randomly inserted, guided by an MRI, looking for the prostate cancer. But MRI technology has made such great leaps in the last decade or so that we can now use imaging to diagnose it as well. And in the case of Avenda, we can use that same MRI technology to create a targeting system for a very powerful new weapon. Let's listen. Avenda Health is focused on focal prostate cancer treatment while preserving quality mm -hmm. of life. We're making the whole exercise of being able to um, treat prostate cancer in a clinic um, while preserving quality of life so simple for the average urologist. And we're doing this by uh, enabling the urologist to predict where the cancer is through our software platform using artificial intelligence, and then being able to treat in at the bedside in the same manner that they perform the biopsy, but instead of inserting a biopsy needle, they're inserting a laser fiber in our sensor to be able to monitor treatments in real time. So this is really taking the whole concept of, you know, in and out um, of the doctor's office, you know, for a clinic visit, uh, but applying that to cancer. Avenda is making a lot of progress. The company is relatively new. We'll get into its founding in a few minutes, but the work started at UCLA four or five years ago. The company developed its early concept. It got an IDE from the FDA to begin a small trial on 10 patients with intermediate risk prostate cancer. And they're showing some promising results. So that trial, um, which now we have about two years follow-up and beyond, has shown that um, this concept of treating prostate cancer focally preserves quality of life. We had not seen any incidence of sexual or urinary dysfunction that's typical with some of these radical treatments, as well as uh, able to be performed in a doctor's office under local anesthesia. Based on those results, Avenda secured a National Academic Industrial Partnership Grant from the National Cancer Institute. This is an accomplishment that Natarajan says he's really quite proud of. The company also got a boost and some help from an unlikely source. More on that after this message. The one theme we cover in almost every MedTech Talk podcast is just how difficult it is to run a MedTech company, to start a MedTech company, to run a MedTech company. I hope these podcasts provide some comfort solutions, but I'd like to offer up another resource. Attendees at the MedTech conference will have access to some real problem solvers in MedTech through our breakout discussions. It's going to cover a lot of different topics from pre-sub meetings to GDPR to IPOs to building toward a digital future, securing successful coverage. It's all there. So much to learn. So these discussions will be held in smaller rooms. Conversations will be intimate. You can ask the questions you need to ask. What you need to do if you'd like to have access to this kind of resources, go to medtechconference.com 
register for the event. You can pick your breakout discussions. We'll have some on Wednesday, May 29th, and some on Thursday, May 30th. You can pick one for each. You can actually choose up to two. And uh, let us know also if you're attending the reception, which is happening on May 29th. That's the first time we're having a, uh, a conference-wide reception prior to the, uh, the MedTech conference. So you really get an early start on your networking. And finally, of course, register before April 30th so you get the discounted rate and use your MedTech Talk code so you save even more money and be able to uh, show your support for the podcast and keep a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. So why not do that? So go to MedTechConference.com, register, sign up for your breakout discussions, and we'll see you in Minneapolis. And now let's get back to Avenda's story. Avenda's making great progress on the clinical side, but uh, something has to pay the bills. So I asked Sham how they set out to raise money, if they established a financing roadmap, and if so, how closely did that roadmap match reality? Let's listen. So I'm chuckling a little bit because uh, certainly I thought this could get done for a million dollars in six months and <laughs> everything would be great. <laughs> but, um, you know, reality sets in. And uh, so really, when we started this project, I thought that, okay, we had good clinical data coming out of this um, university and IDE-sponsored trial. We thought that, okay, we just need to go through the design for manufacturing, get it through the FDA. We thought, okay, maybe a million dollars might be enough. But um, turns out that manufacturing and design controls and all of the other fun stuff that you have to do to get approval is definitely a lot more intensive, you know, than on the university side. So for me, that was definitely a learning experience over the last several years. And, you know, with this grant, uh, I think it was kind of interesting because uh, we got the grant without having started the company. And even with MedTech Innovator, we actually didn't have a company at the at the time that we um, conditionally got a, accepted to the accelerator program. They actually told us, you have to start the company if you want to get into the program. So I think that was really the forcing function to start the company to kind of start seriously looking at, you know, what, what sort of capital is involved, how many employees, you know, what, what should be the, the stepwise approach that we get really this product to, you know, not just a, a clearance, but really some, some level of robust reimbursement and, you know, market success. Because at the end of the mm -hmm. day, that's what we really care about is um, making a product that can benefit, especially for prostate cancer, you know, a Medicare population. So what was the procedure, the process like rather for the, the grant application? How difficult was that? And did, you did not need to be a company to, to apply for those grants? That's correct. Uh, we went through something called the Academic Industrial Partnership Program. So this is mm -hmm. um, what's typically known as an R01. So it's a research grant, not a small business grant. And um, you have to have an industry PI um, or principal investigator, as well as a university principal investigator. And we ended up getting the grant and um, actually scored uh, the highest in our study section, um, despite not having an industry partner. So originally we had to, we, we started working on, you know, getting third parties to build various components for us and then eventually realized that, well, in order to submit this to the FDA, it can't be, you know, UCLA submitting this grant, um, this uh, device. It has to be... Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a real company. And I think for me, it kind of satisfied the, um, my goals, my dual goals of being able to 
make an impact on patient lives while also uh, satisfying the curiosity and interest I had in entrepreneurship. Sham says Avenda locked up $3.1 million from that grant program, and the capital is going to go to pay the cost of the company's clinical trials. But the company shot way past his initial cost estimates of a million dollars, so they needed the capital to pay for bills as well. Avenda was able to round up another $3.3 million from angel investors. I asked Sham to walk us through the angel investing raise. Was that process easier than he had anticipated or more difficult? So I would say both. Uh, I would put um, angels in kind of two separate buckets. There's the um, evangelical angels who are so excited and um, so motivated by either the success or the the team or the technology that you know it, the process is a lot more simple. It's just explaining what you've done, showing them you know your clinical data. And showing them the path forward in terms of you know what sort of capital raises you need, what sort of you know dilution, and what sort of potential you know outcomes they could um, have or enjoy from. But the other sort of angels I would put into like a more um, seasoned or knowledgeable angel in the field, and this sort of angel you know does the standard due diligence. They look at your legal documents. Um, one of the uh, key benchmarks that we had to pass before we were able to raise that capital is we had to um, have a free and clear license from the university for our intellectual property. And, you know, working with universities, um, I'm sure many of your listeners have done this as well. It can be a process and it can take a long time. So it took mm -hmm. us almost a year to license out our IP um, at the end of the day. Even from an institution like UCLA that I imagine would, would do this frequently, huh? Still a yeah, process. It, I, I think so. You know, uh, we love UCLA. You know, they've been really good to us. But at the end of the day, it, um, it's still a process, no matter where you go. One process that Sham found very helpful and very productive was the MedTech Innovator Program. Avenda had applied to be one of the companies, and for those who aren't familiar with the program, it started out as MedTech Idol. It was a, a pitch contest held at industry conferences. Uh, startups would get up on stage, pitch their programs, and judges, i.e. VCs, would uh, give their commentary, would choose a winner, and uh, someone would walk home with a giant check. But Paul Grand, who you may know formerly from RCT Technologies, has really evolved the program. He's added regional elements, presents investments to the winner. So I asked Sham what the process was like and what have been the long-term benefits of being part of the MedTech Innovator Program? Let's listen. When we started out, there were about 600 companies that had applied to the program. And the way that it's structured is that there, um, I know that they've changed in the recent years, but it was a number of regional competitions. And in each within each region, the winner of each competition would move on to kind of the finalist round or get invited to the Accelerator Program if they you know, satisfied some benchmarks, like you had to be seed to series B, you had to not, you know, have significant amounts of revenue, etc. So I think MedTech Innovator, their focus and their aim is to really make um, companies in the early stage, uh, or get them to prevent making mistakes that uh, kills deals later on. And to really start thinking about like the important things in MedTech, like the value proposition, reimbursement, you know, what does it mean for all stakeholders, not just the physician or the provider, but, you know, patient payer, uh, government industry, et cetera. 
So um, that process was interesting because we were definitely the uh, earliest company in the whole program. Um, when we got into the accelerator program after winning the LA competition, uh, we realized that uh, we were, I think we were about three weeks old as a company. And it was, I think the network provided by MedTech Innovator was probably as important or more um, important than the program itself, because through this program, I've been able to meet some fantastic people in the industry, other entrepreneurs, um, other folks on the venture side that have really allowed us to step up our game and, and start, you know, at that point, look like a real company, mm -hmm. uh, do the right things, um, get another uh, co-founder. So actually based on feedback in the program, um, we got another co-founder uh, with one of my friends from UCLA who actually ended up going to uh, the medical device industry and then uh, worked in pharma and digital health, uh, Brittany Berry Pusey. So her and I have been been working since then, uh, since MedTech Innovator about 18 months ago, like every day. And I think having a really strong co-founder is probably one of the best things, uh, best pieces of advice that the um, MedTech Innovator provided. So Venda actually did pretty well. Out of 600 applications, it won the Southern California District Contest. It was one of 20 companies that made it to the accelerator class. It wasn't one of the final four finalists, rather, and it didn't win the grand prize. But... Sham says he walked away with a great deal of insights and a lot of great advice and a really strong alumni network. One of the, uh, I thought, more interesting suggestions was bringing in a third co-founder, which ultimately ended up being Brittany Barry Pusey, who is now serving as co-founder and chief operating officer of Avenda. I asked Sham why that change was necessary. You know, when we started, it was myself and... Um, my other co-founder, Dr. Marks, um, him and I have been, you know, working together for about a decade. Uh, we were at the time we were both on the academic side. Um, I had worked um, at a program called the Business of Science Center at UCLA, so I had some exposure to, you know, entrepreneurship and had some great mentors at the university that had been successful um, in other businesses like Pipe Pharma, etc. But um, I think one thing that we sort of lacked in, in the team is being able to have that industry perspective of seeing, you know, how, how does like a big player think about, you know, technology, how, you know, what do they care about? Uh, what are some of the things that, um, you know, matter in terms of, um, you know, management, uh, people skills, et cetera, that it would be really great if we could find somebody like that to round out our team. So. Britt was actually my first choice. Um, her and I have been had been talking for for years. You know, we we were working at the Business Science Center together. She actually started that program, and um, every six months we check in with each other, saying, "Oh, have you left the university? Oh, have you left your job? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, what, when are we going to start something?" And we actually had started something in the past. We actually ran um, the first healthcare hackathon in Southern California. It's about 300 college students. You know, this is about 2013. But uh, I think we enjoyed working together. And, you know, she was my first call. And I'm very grateful for her coming on board because I think that's um, since then, we've really been a real company. So Avenda has the team in place. It's got a strong network from the school, from its angels, from the MedTech innovator. And it's closing in on FDA approval. 
using the $6 million it has raised from grants and from angel investors. So what is the company's next big goal? Well, it's setting out to raise $10 million for Series A. There was a time, I think, when a, when a company was raising money when, when they intentionally would avoid talking to people like me. <laughs> like they didn't want to have the publicity because they wanted to limit their conversations to investors. Um, in, by people like me, of course, I mean reporters in, in the media. Is, 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 do you find that, that getting the word out about Avenda and, 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 and telling the story more broadly is uh, something that you expect, I imagine you expect it will, will enhance your chances to, uh, to raise that Series A? Well, I think the way that we think about you know, fundraising and also our path forward is that the prostate cancer space, um, you know, there's a lot of activity in it on the BPH side, uh, benign prostate hyperplasia. Mm -hmm. But on the cancer side, you know, while there is a lot of activity, it's really hasn't changed in several decades. So I think to be able to tell the story that, you know, we're transforming the treatment of prostate cancer, we're taking a morbid um, inpatient procedure that has a 50% chance of ruining your sexual or urinary function and taking that to a simple personalized outpatient tre treatment that you can you know, do in under an hour and then go home immediately afterwards. Uh, I think that story of saying that you know, we're, we're changing the game for these patients with prostate cancer. About 3 million men in the U.S. are currently living with disease. So I think in terms of fundraising and, and getting the word out, um, we really see this as we really need to get the word out about what we are doing because um, there's not been historically a lot of attention on the cancer side um, compared to say breast cancer or some other cancers. Mm -hmm. But prostate cancer, I think, is uh, undergoing a a whole industry transformation. You know, with better imaging, better targeting, better accuracy, and now with Avenda Health, better therapy. So what has your, uh, your fundraising process looked like so far? Have you been, meet, been meeting with, uh, with venture firms? Yeah, so we, we've contacted a few venture firms. I think we're just at the beginning stages of our fundraising mm -hmm. process. Um, had a, we've been having a lot of great conversations with um, the venture folks in medtech. You know, I think the perspective um, that we've been getting is that for um, VC, for the traditional um, you know, medtech VCs, the sweet spot is really post-approval and, you know, starting that commercialization. We're kind of in a interesting um, period where we're pretty close to um, submitting and we have a pretty short path towards approval. But I think mm -hmm. the med tech industry, um, I guess, uniquely is pretty mission driven. So even with funds that, you know, maybe aren't interested in our particular technology, have still been helpful in connecting us to other folks and and really you know giving us feedback on our on our process. So I'm pretty grateful to you know, the industry as a whole uh, th going through this process because it's while challenging, it's been um, I've been getting a lot of great feedback and making a lot of good connections. Are you surprised by the uh, collegiality of the of the industry? It seems like you're getting a lot of support from a, a lot of different people. Yeah, I. It it was kind of surprising because um, you know I have a lot of friends in technology, you know, working at uh, large technology companies in the Bay Area, and 
the perspective that I get from them, you know, even if they're on the startup side, is that everybody's, you know, trying to be secret, stealth, et cetera. Where, yeah. Whereas, you know, with MedTech Innovator, you know, even beyond MedTech Innovator with the with AdvaMed and um, some of the other groups out there like Biocom, it's been phenomenal in terms of the kind of support that, you know, we've been getting from not only the VC community and the, you know, the investor class, but also other med tech companies that, you know, some of them in urology that have been very helpful in helping us kind of navigate through the process. Because I think at the end of the day, uh, as an industry, we all want to see, you know, patients' lives getting improved. We all want to see, um, you know, projects getting successful, you know, assuming you're not a direct competitor. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been a great process, but uh, at the same time, it's, it's a challenging process because, um, you know, in terms of capital for med tech versus capital for tech, it seems to be um, a lot less in terms of the, the deal flow. Finally, I want to get a sense of what Avenda looks like today. Uh, when I talked with Sham, he was in one of those phone booths inside of a WeWork setup. So they're in a co-working spot in Santa Monica. They're running lean. They've got staff uh, with, with heavy software and tech backgrounds. And I just want to understand what the company looks like today. Let's hear what he had to say. So we're um, six employees right now. Uh, we have uh, you know, the five core members of our team, mostly software engineers. And then we have a whole host of um, interns that are either in software engineering, uh, UI, UX design, or uh, we actually have a fourth-year medical student taking a year off uh, who has an engineering background who's working on some of our um, clinical aspects. So I think we've been fortunate in that uh, we've been able to be very lean, but at the same time, our team is pretty phenomenal. You know, our two software engineers uh, have built our product in less than a few months. Have you know, We're starting to build our, our next software product, which is a cloud-based platform for uh, prostate cancer treatment planning. Hmm. And yeah, we, I think WeWork suits us because, you know, our personality is to be this, you know, lean, scrappy technology firm that's disrupting healthcare. So I think it, uh, it really suits our personality in terms of, you know, where the company's skewed. Do you see yourself as a, as a pure med tech company or a, a hybrid of med tech and tech? Yeah, I see ourselves really as, as kind of a hybrid or, you know, this new era of med tech where we have a great, you know, contract manufacturer that we're working with for building our product. I think this field has a lot of great um, service providers, but at the core of our business um, or the core of our team and our core competency is really software and is really building out great software to be able to uh, form predictive, you know, margin planning for prostate cancer patients to be able to do risk stratification, to be able to uh, use artificial intelligence and use, you know, cloud services, et cetera, to be able to um, rapidly transform both the device side of things and also be able to scale more broadly. Uh, just let me give you an example on that. For our actual treatment um, device, our laser ablation device for prostate cancer, we are giving it the ability to be able to monitor all of the um, inputs and all of the um, usability with the procedure so that we can be able to monitor in real time, 
you know, how the system is being used and how, um, if any errors happen, if any challenges occur, we can actually feed that back into the whole process. So that's been very helpful, even on the um, validation side of things, getting um, to FDA, we're able to use the device as you know you would normally use it, but at the same time, we're collecting all of this data that we can then feed back into the process to be able to improve the outcomes. Final question, and this is one that you know maybe I could have uh, could have prepared you for, but uh, if you were to talk to someone starting a, a company today and you're conveying your story, uh, looking back, are there one or two things that you perhaps would have done differently? Would have, would have you incorporated earlier and started the company earlier? Would you brought in a co-founder earlier? Any any obvious things that you would like to change from this uh, terrific founding story? I think I would have started a little earlier. I, I think it definitely took an external force like MedTech Innovator to get us going. Um, however, I don't have any regrets in how we started and how we developed our company. I think we've been able to surround ourselves with some great seasoned you know, serial entrepreneurs, some great advisors, both on, the, both on the medical side and the business side. And it's, it's almost nice not having kind of the baggage of knowing how, how things are typically done uh, to be able to build your company. Because I think some of the decisions that we've made um, early on, say with you know, how we're doing our design controls, et cetera, um, are getting are enabling us to be able to be lean and scrappy you know i think just an example is um just how we're doing verification and validation and being able to you know do our data collection um i think coming from a you know some of our advisors telling us that you know maybe you should do this like the the way that it's always been done first and then kind of iterate from there but i think the way that we're doing it now is allowing us to rapidly iterate and scale quicker. That's great. Well, it's a fascinating story. And uh, I want to uh, follow up with you after you've, uh, I'm sure you will do this, closed on your, your Series A, because I think it's a really interesting space. Thanks uh, for being so generous with your, uh, your thoughts and insights. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. All right, well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the MedTech Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing Avenda's story. We'll try to track their progress going forward. If you uh, enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please share this podcast and future podcasts on Twitter, LinkedIn, and other social media. You can also share with friends directly via text or whatnot. Uh, if you do share on some of the social media, please do tag me. I'm on Twitter. You can reach me at MedTechTom. And of course, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you and uh, would love to hear any questions or thoughts you had about the podcast. Finally, you can also reach me via email. My email address is tom at healthyg.com. That's the word health, followed by letters egy.com. Healthyg is the producer of this podcast and, of course, of the MedTech Conference, which is happening on May 29th and 30th in Minneapolis. Go to medtechconference.com. For more information, to check out the agenda, to look at our breakout discussions, and of course, to register using your MedTech Talk code. If you use that code, you'll save yourself a couple hundred bucks. That's it, folks. Tune in next week. We'll have another great tale of innovation for you on the MedTech Talk podcast.